The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. doing this morning awesome well today we're going to be continuing in the series that pastor tafara started last week let me move this way um last it started last week which is the mind mouth connection so today we're going to be talking about the power of positive confession note i said confession not affirmation not positive speaking i mean they're all good they have their place but god has given us an even more powerful tool and that tool is called confession So what is confession? We learned last week that confession comes from the Greek word homologio. Homo meaning the same and logio or logeo (laughs) meaning the word of God. And so when you're confessing the word of God, you are saying the same thing as God is saying. And what's so awesome is that when you say what God says, Jeremiah 1 verse 12 says God watches over his word to perform it. When you speak and declare and decree over your life what God has to say about your life, Jeremiah 1 verse 12 says, God watches his word to fulfill it in your life. And you know, this thrills me so much because if I want to live a victorious life, you know, if I want to live the abundant life, I don't have to come up with some clever 10-step methodology to living, you know, the designer life. I don't even have to come up with some clever 30-step methodology to living the breakthrough life. You know, all I have to do is take the Word of God, put it in my heart, and then put it in my mouth again and again and again. (laughs) But, you know, really for me, church, the sad thing is many Christians today are living defeated lives. And the reason they're living defeated lives is because, you know, they're believing and they're speaking the wrong things. You know, they're they're speaking the lies of the enemy over their lives instead of rising up to the level of God's word and saying what God has to say. Um, You know, our words matter. We learned this last week. And I'm going to say it again for good measure. If you don't get anything from today's message, you need to get this. Our words absolutely matter. Matthew 12, verse 37. It says, by your words, you shall, be con- you shall be justified. Now, another word for that word justified is acquitted. We've got a few lawyers in the room here, Pastor Henry and Bertha. I mean, another word for acquitted is set free. So by your own words, you can be set free. Set free from what? Set free from everything that is holding you back. In Matthew 12, verse 37, it says, Not only shall your words set you free, but it also says, for by your own words, you shall be condemned. And now they say when a building is declared, um, when a building is, is, is condemned, what essentially they're saying is a building is being declared unfit for use. So with your own mouth, church, you can limit God by declaring yourself unfit for use. You know, by your words, you know, you you can live a life of disappointment. You know, you can live a life of lack. You can live a life of insecurity. You can live a life of sickness, disease. But 
You, by your own words, you know, you can choose to be well. You can choose to be whole. Come on. You can choose to live a victorious life. You can choose to be prosperous. You know, Proverbs 12, verse 18, in the BBE translation. You know, today, we're going to be doing a little bit of a Bible study. You know, I'm going to be sharing with you some scriptures. And really, church, I want to encourage you, write these scriptures down if you've got a notepad, notepad if you've got a, a phone, put these scriptures in your phone. And, 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 and really search these scriptures out for yourself and, and meditate on these scriptures because they're going to change your life. Proverbs 12, verse 18, in the BBE translation, it says, The tongue of the wise makes one well again. Come on, church. Your mouth can make you well. We learned last week um, really powerful scripture in Proverbs 18, verse 21. And this scripture says, death and life are in the power of your tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You see, our tongue has the ability to create both death and life. So with our tongue, with our mouths, we can speak death to our life or we can speak life to our life. You know, I really love what it says and how it puts it across in the message translation. So this was quite, this was quite profound. Proverbs 18.21 in the message translation, if you can put it up. Uh, Proverbs 18 verse 21 in the message translation. It says words kill. It says words give life. They're either poison or they're fruit. And then it says, you choose. You choose. We get to choose. Church, we all get to choose. You know, one of the amazing things that God has given us, uh, he's given us, you know, the privilege, the power, and the right to choose. You know, in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, God says, I said before you, life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, you choose life so that you and your seed may live. So church, you can choose. And the thing that you need to be choosing wisely is you need to be choosing your words wisely. We need to be choosing words that speak and confess life. You know, we need to be choosing words that work to our advantage. Mark 11, verse 23, and we're going to look at that in a lot more detail in this message. Hopefully we'll get there. But Mark 11, Jesus speaking in Mark 11, verse 23, you know, he ends this passage of scripture with a, with a really profound statement. He says, you can have what you say. You can have what you say. And so my question this morning is, you know, what are you saying? You know, what are you saying over your life? What are you saying over your children? You know, what are you saying over your marriages, over your spouse? You know, Pastor Safara spoke last week. It's a really powerful message. Are you speaking words of life to your spouse? Are you speaking words of life into your marriage? You know, what, what are you saying? You know, this week we had a, um, a Zoom work call. There were quite a few, few people on the call. And, I mean, this woman, you know, uh, granted, she had made a little bit of a mistake. But the first thing she starts saying is she starts saying, I'm so dumb. You know, she starts saying, oh, my word, how could I get that wrong? I'm so useless. And everything in me, I just had to hold myself back because I was like, do you know what you're saying? You're declaring yourself unfit for use. Come on. You can have what you say, Amen. church. Amen. And, and I think we need to be quite intentional about not saying what we have, you know, because a lot of Christians, instead of have, saying, you know, instead of, you know, having what they say, are actually saying what they have. And that um, works against them because it really works to establish the present circumstance or the present situ uh, situation 
in their hearts. And because they're saying what they have, they're continually having what they say. And their circumstance just isn't changing. So you can have what you say. You know, I came to realize that if I wanted to win in this life, you know, if I truly wanted to live the abundant life that Jesus came and Jesus died for me to live, not only was I going to have to renew my mind to the word of God, but I was going to have to watch my mouth. <laughs> and boy, was it a challenge because, you know, anyone who's known me for a long time knows that I love to talk. Amen. <laughs> but, you know, you know, I now take this revelation so seriously. You know, Pastor Tafara says, people call me a fanatic. I don't know. I think they're weird by not taking this revelation seriously. But people, people call me a fanatic. You know, we take words so very seriously in our house. You know, I think even our two children are starting to learn. And I always share this story whenever I teach on this topic. About a few years ago, my mother had come to visit us. And um, Granny had come to visit us. And Granny was playing with my older daughter, Munesu, next door. And Munesu starts to say, Granny, you know, my mother says we can't use the word I can't in this house. And I'm right next door, and I'm thinking, oh, this is going to get interesting, right? And then my granny says to Manesu, she's like, hmm, Manesu, why can't you use the word I can't? I mean, I could literally hear my mom's, like, disbelief and amusement um, in her voice. Then my daughter says the most profound thing to my mom. She says, you see, granny, if you use the word I can't, well, you know, you're not going to be able to do what you want to do. But if you say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, then guess what, Granny? You're going to be able to do it. Hallelujah. And I was in the room next time. I said, yes, thank you, Jesus. Come on, Munesu. Preach to her. Preach to her. It's amazing the things you can learn from, you know, adults can learn from children. But, but you know, our words matter. Our words are so important. And this morning, I want to share with you some principles that I have learned from my life. And I believe, and my, my, my sincerest prayer to you is that you will take these lessons, you'll take these principles I'm about to teach you, you'll begin to apply them in your own life. You'll start speaking, you'll start saying what God is saying over your life. And as you do, church, you will begin to see and experience victory over every circumstance that has been holding you back. Amen. So the first principle I want to share with you is our words create our world. Our words, for those taking notes, create our world. Let's go quickly to Hebrews 11. And we're going to read um, verse 2. You can read it in the King James. So that's Hebrews 11.3. Hebrews 11.3 says, Through faith, we understand that the world, so that the world there is, he's talking about the universe. So he says, through faith, we understand that the universe was framed in other words, was formed or created. How? By the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And so what this passage of scripture starts to say is it starts to tell us that God created the entire universe that exists today. How? By the words that he spoke. Another scripture I want us to look at is in Psalm 33, verses 6 to 9. And we're going to look at the NLT. So that's Psalm 33 verses 6 to 9, and we're going to look at this in the NLT. Yeah. It says, the Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. That's awesome. The Lord, he merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He breathed the word, and all the stars were born. He assigned the sea its boundaries and locked the oceans in vast reservoirs. 
let the whole world fear the Lord. So that's a reverential worship, okay? So it's saying, let the whole world reverentially worship the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him. For when he spoke, I want you to hear, I want you to get this. When he spoke, the world began. It appeared at his command. So what these scriptures are really describing is they begin to describe to us this, you know, this awesome story of creation. And both um, these scriptures that we just read, or both these passages of scripture that we read, we see that when God spoke, the sun, the moon, the stars, the seas, and its boundaries, well, well they began. And so to, to really read for ourselves, you know, this awesome story of, of creation, I actually want us to go all the way back. Back to the beginning, amen. So we're going to go all the way, way, way back to the story of creation. We're going to go to Genesis 1, and we're going to read verses 1 to 4. We can read in the King James Version. So that's Genesis 1, 1 to 4. I told you it's going to be about Bible study, but is this, this message is going to change your life, amen. So if you're taking notes, if you're listening, listen. It's going to change your life, amen. So Genesis 1, 1 to 4. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And it says, And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So what these passages of Scripture begin to describe is they begin to describe the earth right at the beginning, um, of, at the, right at the very beginning. And the Scripture says that the earth was void. It was without form. I mean, it was chaotic. There was confusion. There was darkness. Yet we begin to see a very interesting thing here. The scripture says that the Holy Spirit was present and he was hovering even in this chaotic, um, you know, chaotic state of, of, of existence. And my question that I always used to ask is, well, if the Holy Spirit was present, I mean, he is, after all, the power of God. He is the Holy Spirit. Why didn't he fix this, you know? Why didn't he just do something about it? Amen. And I'd like to submit to you that what the Holy Spirit was waiting for, he, he was really waiting for something to happen before he could spring into action. And the thing that he was waiting for was actually in verse 3. So I'm not going to keep you in suspense, okay? So verse 3, it says, And God said, Let there be light. And then what happened? And there was light. Amen. You see, church, what, the, well, what we believe the Holy Spirit was waiting for before he could spring into action, is he was waiting for God to say something. I mean, because he knew that God's modus operandi, for those who love slang, God's MO, God's MO for creation is speaking things into being. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And you know, the story doesn't end there because we know that God spent, you know, about six days creating the world and and we're not going to look at them now. I'm actually fast running out of time. But there are about eight statements, all in all, where we see um, God said, and whatever he commanded came into being. Nothing came into being until God said. And again, it's interesting, you know, God is God. I mean, if God was a superhero, God is the superhero of superheroes. I mean, God could have just said, waved his hand, right, and said, let there be light, let there be sun, let there be moon, right? God could have clicked his fingers, you know, and the whole world could have cooperated. But no, God chose to speak. And as he spoke, those things came into existence. So this is God's MO for creation. 
And now while, again, I found this very interesting, you know, the whole story of creation, the whole world was created through uh, God speaking in it into existence. You know, I just couldn't understand how it really, truly, truth be told, how it applied to my life. Until I stumbled upon Genesis 1 verse 26. And that scripture profoundly changed my life. And if you're wondering today how God speaking things into existence applies to your life, well, well listen, listen to Genesis 1.26 because it's just radically going to change your life too. Amen. So Genesis 1.26, it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God begins to say two very profound, I mean, he said so many nice, awesome things in this, in this scripture, but there are two profound things that I want you to pay attention to that God says. So the first thing that God said is he said, let us make man in our image. Now, image speaks of nature. Well, what is God's nature, you may ask? John 4, 24, if you're taking notes, it says God is a spirit. And so if we are created in God's nature, and if God is a spirit, well, the real you, church, is a spirit. You possess a soul which houses your mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a body. You know, for those who, you know, these concepts are really new, I want to encourage you. Pastor Tafara taught a very amazing series on spirit soul and body. Um, you want to check it out. If you're online, if you're on YouTube, you want to check it out. It is in our archives. So that's spirit, soul, and body. So I wanted to sub submit to you that the real you is a spirit being. You live in a body and you possess a soul. The second thing that God said is he said, let us make man after our likeness. Now likeness speaks of functionality. Now, the question is, how does God function? Well, we just read that God speaks. And when God speaks, expecting those things to come to pass, well, they come to pass. We've just read that God created the entire universe by talking, by speaking it into being. And so not only is God a spirit, but God speaks. And that makes God a speaking spirit. And since we were made in the image and after the likeness of God, that means we too are talking spirits, speaking spirits. And just like God, church, just like God, we too possess the creative power in our mouths to create our world with our words. That's awesome. That's powerful. Amen. And so after God created the first man, Adam, he gave Adam an opportunity to practice being a speaking spirit. <laughs> okay, For, uh, I, can see, I can see the disbelief in you. I can see the shock in your eyes. Yes, God gave Adam a practice session to practice being a speaking spirit. And we're gonna, let's go look at that uh, practice session in Genesis 2 verse 19, because it's really, really cool. So that's Genesis 2 verse 19. We're gonna read a little bit about this practice session that Adam uh, went through um, to practice being a speaking spirit. And it says, and out of the ground, the Lord formed every beast of the field and every fowl air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam, uh, whatsoever Adam called every living creature, 
That was the name thereof. Amen. So I want to paint a picture to you because I've, I've got a really vivid imagination. So I, I really want to paint a picture to you of what was happening here. So Adam and God were walking in the garden. And God starts to create all these creatures. And so I like to believe, you know, um, God um, at that stage had created a big beast of an animal, right, with a long trunk and, and tusks, right? And he brings this animal to Adam. And he says to Adam, name this Adam, animal, Adam. And Adam looks at this creature and he says, hmm, that's an elephant. And the Bible says whatever he called it, it became. So it became an elephant. And then, uh, you know, it says uh, God created all the beasts of the field and all the fowl of the air. So, I mean, this practice session went on and on. So, again, to paint another picture in your mind so that, you know, you can try and see what was going on here. God then creates another animal, right? It's an animal that lives in the, in the sea or in the water. It's a, it's a long animal. It's green. <laughs> and it's got a long snout and sharp teeth. Snap, snap. You're probably going to guess what it is, okay? But anyway, so, Adam, so God brings this creature to Adam, and he says to Adam, you know, here is the creature. Come on, name it, you know? And Adam says, hmm, hmm that's a crocodile. And God says, bingo, whatever you call it, it will become, and it became a crocodile. Amen. Now, I want you to note something here, and you know, guys, feel free because I don't see anywhere in the passage in Scripture. So if you do, come and speak to me after service. I don't see anywhere in Scripture where when God presented a creature to Adam, you know, God said, uh-uh, Adam, you've made a mistake. That's not an elephant. That's a baboon, you know. I don't see anywhere in Scripture where God, you know, uh, God presents a, a creature to Adam and, and, and God says, uh-uh, Adam, that's not a crocodile. That's a lion, <laughs> No, because the, the principle is this, whatever you call it, whatever Adam called it, it became, amen. And so again, my question this morning is what are you calling it? You know, what are you calling your finances? What are you calling your, your career? What are you calling your health? What are you calling your future? You are the prophet of your own life because whatever you call it, it becomes. Now, I, I'll be honest with you. I used to struggle with this concept, right? I mean, again, my, my, my long-suffering husband, you know, he, he had to bear this with me, right? And I, I mean, I, you know, I used to struggle with this concept, particularly when I started out my career as an analyst in the bank. And I just recall, I, I, I was quite good at telling every Tom, Dick, Harry, and Harry's cat for good measure how boring my job was. You know, how my job just, I didn't have opportunities in my job because I was young. I didn't have opportunities in my job because I was a woman. That they, you know, they weren't giving me opportunities in my job because I was from a different country. And for many, many years, I mean, that job sucked the life out of me. For many, many years, there were absolutely no opportunities for me. Until I, I grabbed a hold of this revelation. And I always say, until this revelation grabbed a hold of me. And I began to see and I began to investigate what God was saying about my situation. And I remember I came across many scriptures, too, I want to share with you briefly. Is um, Psalm, In Psalm 34, verse 10, where it says, you know, the, the, they that seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. I mean, I came across a scripture, I believe it was in Ecclesiastes 5, verse 19, which said, I, you know, I could enjoy my work, you know, because work was a gift from, from God. 
And, um, you know, as I began to meditate on these scriptures, as I began to fill my heart with these scriptures, I also began to fill my mouth with these scriptures too. I began to say, I enjoy my job. I am grateful for my job because my job is a gift from God. I do not lack opportunities. I do not lack abilities. <laughs> opportunities pursue and they overtake me. Amen. And, you know, sort of several months um, later, I mean, doors of opportunity started opening up to me. I mean, I started experience in my career. You know, I have experienced the favor of God. I, I could write a book about it, you know. I mean, I recall the one year where I got, I got two increases in one year, double-digit increases in one year. In a, in a time where, you know, we were in a technical recession. I mean, I have received favor. And, but my, but my, what I'm trying to say here is that, you know, you can call it whatever you call it. It becomes, amen. And so you want to be calling it. You want to be speaking over your situation. The word of God, amen. You have creative power in your mouth to change your circumstance, amen. So you need to begin to load your heart and your mouth with the word of God. And you can change your life with your words, amen. Well, the second principle, geez, time flies when you are having fun. You know, I wish time would fly this quickly when you're doing squats. Hey, and when you're doing burpees, you know. But anyway, time flies. <laughs> amen, 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 brother. It says, the second principle, you can have what you say. So actually, I, wanna, I actually want to rename that, actually. In my book, I call it, you can have what you say. But I felt led yesterday to rename it and say, faith-filled words can move mountains. Faith-filled words can move mountains. Amen. Go with me quickly to Mark 11. And we're going to read 11 to 14. You can read it in the King James Version. These are very famous passages of Scripture that we're going to read. We're going to study this morning. So that's Mark 11, 11 to 14. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked round about upon all things, and now the eventide was come. He went out unto Bethany with the twelve. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if haply. Oh, that's just a fancy word for perhaps, right? So he came, if perhaps, he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. So what was happening here was, Jesus and, and, and his disciples, um, I believe, were coming from Bethany, and Jesus was hungry. And so he, he saw a fig tree from far off, and he saw this fig tree covered with leaves. Um, but much to his surprise, as he got closer to the fig tree, you know, there was no fruit on the tree. And this was quite a surprise to Jesus because, you know, what I've studied and what I've read is that on a fig tree, usually the leaves and the fruits appear at the same time. So when you see leaves on the, on the tree, you know, the expectation is to see fruit. And so this fig tree was not acting in line with Jesus' expectations. Okay. And so verse 14, it says, And Jesus answered, and he said unto it, No man there hereafter for... Oh, oh dear, this is quite complicated. Okay, let's read it up here. Um, in response. Oh, you're reading it in the New King James. Okay, that's fine. 
Um, can I have it in the King James? Because there's something that the King James um, says, right? Uh, I like how the King James, original King James articulates it. Okay. And Jesus spoke and said unto it, Let no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Wow. Let us pause for a moment <laughs> and really reflect on the scripture because, I mean, this, this scripture is just loaded, church. For starters, and I believe most obvious, is it says, Jesus answered and said unto it. <laughs> I mean, that's quite phenomenal. Jesus answered and spoke to an inanimate object. <laughs> Jesus answered and spoke to a thing. The second thing I want you to, to notice is, you know, for Jesus, I don't know what translation I've got here, but anyway, it says here, I have the translation that says Jesus answered and spoke to it, okay? But it says, for Jesus to have answered it, the tree must have spoken to him first, right? So what we see here is we see Jesus and the tree having a conversation. How many of you know that in the same way that this tree, that this inanimate object was talking to Jesus, Things are speaking to us all the time. I mean, our bank accounts can speak to us. My back tried to speak to me today just before I came to church. Tried to say it's sore. <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to like, you know, sit down when I preach. Things are speaking to us all the time. And what's so awesome, when things begin to speak to us, just like Jesus, we need to speak back. You know, we need to answer and say what the Word of God has to say about what that thing is saying. Amen. So Jesus, he, he curses the tree. You know, he speaks, he answers the tree, and I believe the tree was saying, oh, I don't have fig trees, I don't have figs. And Jesus answered and said, okay, fine. No one's going to eat fig trees, uh, fig figs from you uh, hereafter. You know, I curse you, die, you know. And... Um, and that was what, what happened. And so after speaking to the tree, we find uh, that Jesus proceeded to go into Jerusalem. And this is the story where he dealt with some errant money changes in the temple, right? We know how, how strict he was in the, in the temple there. But in the morning after they had left Jerusalem, they then encountered the same fig tree. So let's go to Mac, Mark 11. And we're going to read verses 20 to 22. So this is Jesus and this, his disciples encountering that very same fig tree that Jesus had cursed the day before. That's Mark 11, 20 to 22. And it says, And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And Jesus, answering, said to them, Have faith in God. You know, another translation of the Bible, it says, have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith. And then, and then Jesus, Jesus is so awesome. He then begins to describe how that God kind of faith operates. And he does this by pointing them to another inanimate object. And so let's go quickly to Mark eleven twenty three, because this is where we're going to camp out for the, for the last nine minutes of, of, of the service. Mark eleven twenty three. Jesus says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe 
that those things which he says, can you see the mind-mouth connection? Shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Amen. So there are really three things that I really want to zone in on this scripture because it's just so loaded. And, and I believe these three things, if you really understand them, I pray that the Holy Spirit's just going to give you a revelation this morning will really fundamentally radically change your life. So the first thing I want you to notice is Jesus says, whosoever shall say unto this mountain. Now, whosoever is really just a formal word for whoever. And whoever really means regardless of who you are. And so Jesus is saying regardless of who you are, you can speak to the mountain and you can tell it to be removed. You see, church, there's, there is a, a really bad misconception in the church that says, you know, only those with titles, you know, only those with the, you know, appointed into the fivefold ministry, only those that are the bishops, the deacons, the elders, the life group leaders, that group of people and that group alone are the only ones that can perform miracles in the kingdom of God. I want to tell you this morning that that is a lie from the pit of hell because Jesus says, Jesus, the great master himself says, whoever whosoever, regardless of who you are, church, regardless of what title you have, regardless of what title you don't have, regardless of how many years you've been in church, regardless of whether you've been in church for 40 years, regardless of whether you've been in the church for one day, you can speak to your mountain. You can speak to your mountain regardless of who you are, and you can see your mountain be removed. Amen. So whoever shall say unto this mountain. Come on, someone say, I am a whosoever. Come on, say it with some swag, because you're a whosoever. I'm a whosoever. Amen. And I can speak to my own mountain. Bingo. Amen. Hallelujah. The second thing I want to point you to, is in the scripture, what we see is the believing is, is actually only mentioned once, while the speaking is mentioned three times. I really don't have time to, to go there, but you're going to have to take my word, or you're going to have to read it quickly. But the believing is mentioned once in this passage of scripture, while the speaking is mentioned three times. And I believe we miss this sometimes, you know. Most people don't have a problem with believing. You know, most people don't have a believing problem. And I think often where we get tripped up is on our speaking. But the principle that's being communicated here is that we release faith. We release God's creative power with our words. Church, we have to be speaking. Second Corinthians 4, 13. Second Corinthians 4, verse 13. That's 1, 3. I'd like to read it in the NIV, if you don't mind, um, Brother Tino. Second um, Corinthians 4, verse 13 in the NIV. I mean, it says this. This is really powerful. It says, it is written. Oh, sorry, that's second. Yeah. It is uh, the, the, the second. Oh, have I got the wrong? Corinthians. Second Corinthians 4, 13 uh, in the NIV. It says, it is written. Okay. Maybe I've got it wrong. Okay. Let's see. Come on. Okay. Anyway, it says, it is written. I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith. Come on, someone say, since we have the same spirit of faith. We also believe and therefore speak. 
It says we believe, therefore we speak. We believe, therefore we speak. You see, our faith, what we believe is released or is put into action through what we say. Our faith is voice activated. Our faith must speak. Amen. And here I've got to say, you know, we're not speaking to cause things to happen. We're speaking out of an abundance of what we truly believe. Amen. Jesus says speaking is so very important that it can move a mountain. Now, I believe that any obstacle that is standing in the way of you manifesting God's promises in your life, I believe that obstacle is a mountain. And we can speak to that mountain. We can speak to that obstacle and tell it to get out of the way. Amen. Speaking about mountain, actually, let's look at Zechariah 4, verse 7. It's probably going to be my last scripture as I close. Zechariah 4, verse 7. You know, we can, we can speak to our mountain. And again, a mountain can represent so many things. I mean, a mountain can represent the problems you're facing. A mountain can represent your situation, your circumstances. A mountain can represent sickness. A mountain can represent lack, you know. And, and the scripture, Jesus is quite clear in Mark 11, verse 23, that you can speak to your mountain. You can speak to your body and tell it to get well. You know, you can speak to your finances, your mountain of finances, and tell them to line up with the word of God. Amen. So Zechariah 4, verse 7, King James. Well, that's fine. It says, who art thou, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, thou shalt become a plain. I'm going to stop there a little bit. So that plain, the Amplified Translation of the Bible says, a mere more molehill, right? So, so here God is, is, is saying, he's talking to this mountain. And he's saying, you are going to become a mere plain. You are going to become a mere molehill. And, and, and this is how it's going to happen. And he says, and he carries on, and he says, And he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings. Notice what he says. He says, here's how this mountain is going to become a plain. Here's how this mountain in your life is going to become a mere molehill. And he says, crying, grace, grace. Unto it. Grace. Grace. Oh, that's awesome. Unto it. Amen. So you might have a mountain in your life. Well, this is the good news. You can shout grace. Grace to it. And it will be reduced to a molehill. That mountain will be leveled to a plain. Amen. You know, you can speak the word of God to it. You can speak the word of God to your mountain. And the mountain will be leveled. Amen. Amen. So, you know, how does this apply today, you know? Um, which is really the question um, some of you are asking. Maybe some of you are asking this question for yourselves um, online. You know, maybe, maybe your mountain, you know, is a mountain of sickness. Well, the, the, you know, this morning, you know, I want you to begin to make that decision that you're going you're gonna to look that mountain of sickness in the face and you're going you're gonna to say to that mountain, who art thou, mountain of sickness? Amen. By the stripes that wounded Jesus, 
I am healed. Amen. Maybe your mountain is a mountain of financial problems, financial challenges. Amen. I want you to look that mountain in the face. No more running. No more trying to get around that mountain. Speak to your mountain. Who art thou, mountain of financial challenges? You shall become a molehill from today. Amen. I am generous. Therefore, I do not lack opportunity. I do not lack ability. Come on. Money comes to me now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Some of you, and I believe it's someone online, is facing a mountain of delays. You know, there are um, applications that you, you uh, I, I don't know, maybe someone here, that you've put uh, forward and they are not being processed. Amen. This morning, we're going to speak to that mountain of delay. Amen. This morning, we're going to speak to that mountain of frustration. This morning, we're going to, we come on. Who art thou, O mountain of delay? Who art thou? Right now, we decree and we declare that policies, regulations, rules are changing just for us. Right now, we seek the favor of God. Psalm 5 verse 12 says, the favor of God surrounds us with a shield. Favor, go now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Some of you, mountain of strife. You want to say, who art thou, mountain of strife? Coming between our marriage. Today we speak peace, be still. Today we bind the spirit of strife in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen. And the third principle as I close is, if we believe, if we believe, we can have what we need. Amen. And I'm out of time, so why don't we stand up on our feet, amen. Thank you, hallelujah. Can I just say a few confessions if you don't mind? I really, you know, my, Pastor Tafar and I have been um, meditating on healing this whole week, and I think last week. And so, you know, we want to make some confessions here this morning. And we don't want you to leave with whatever you came with. Amen. My back tried to tell me that it was sore this morning. I actually like, couldn't wash in the, in the shower this morning. And, and I'm going to share with you some of the decrees that we make and some of the decrees that you need to be making over your life. Amen. Um, the, the, the Bible, Psalm 107 verse 2 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. And so, and so I want someone to say this after me. If you're watching online, I want you to say this after me. Amen. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Therefore, I forbid any sickness or disease to come upon this body. Every germ and every virus that touches this body dies instantly in the name of Jesus. Every organ, every tissue, every nerve, every blood cell functions in the perfection Functions in the perfection. To which God created it to, to function. God created it and to from, function. Today, and from, today, from today, from today, I refuse, I refuse for, any more for any more malfunction in my body. In the name of Jesus. Jesus bore the curse for me. Therefore, I forbid 
growths, tumors, to inhabit my body. The life of God within me dissolved, growths, and tumors. And my strength and my health is restored. As God was with Moses, so is he with me. My eyes are not dim. Neither are my natural forces abated. Blessed are my eyes, for they see. Blessed are my eyes, for they see. Someone needs to take this. Blessed are my eyes, for they see. Blessed are my ears, for they hear. Someone give God a big shout of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I just sense in the spirit we need to make some decrees and confessions uh, for uh, pregnancy and childbirth. So we're going to make about four of them. One, two, three, and four of them. I just feel there's someone watching online uh, who's believing God uh, for pregnancy and for childbirth. And so we're going to make these confessions. Thank Amen. Jesus. Well, children are a reward of the Lord. And the fruit of my womb is blessed. It is God's desire for me to have a child. There is no barrenness in my life. My womb shall not cast out its fruit before its time. There will be no miscarriages in my life. I will carry my baby to full term. God protects and watches over my baby as my baby is being formed in the womb. No weapon that is formed against my baby will prosper. No deformity, no disability. No disorder that is formed against my baby will prosper in the name of Jesus. No evil shall befall my baby. Neither shall any calamity come near me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And the last one, we're going to decree... Uh, I learned something powerful this week in just meditating in God's Word and studying His Word, that the same part of your brain that is responsible for releasing and uh, uh, balancing the chemicals in your body is the same part of your brain that is responsible for speech. So we want to speak to any chemical imbalances in your body, any chemical imbalances that brings... Uh, uh, disorder, uh, maybe food disorders. There are certain types of foods you can't eat, lactose intolerant, gluten intolerant, all kinds of intolerances because of a chemical imbalance, I believe can be reversed by the words of your mouth. So we're going to shout in Jesus' name, all the chemicals in my body will be released, secreted, at the right time, in right proportions, in the name of Jesus. No more intolerances. My body, I command you right now 
to resume perfect function. You shall function according to the design that God created you to function. In Jesus' name. Now, if you believe that, you can go ahead and give God praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you and we give you praise and honor for you are a good God. Lord, we thank you that as we go, we are going in the blessing. We go, uh, we are going blessed. We come in blessed. We go home blessed. Lord, we thank you that we are moving in the, in the, in the direction of our destiny. Lord, we thank you that our paths keep getting brighter and brighter and we move from one level of glory to another. We are blessed going in and we are blessed going out. In Jesus' name we pray and someone say it. Amen. We love you guys. God bless you. See you next Sunday. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.